Welcome to The Clappers. This is Andrew Young. And I'm Carl Quinn. And this is where you lurk. This is where I lurk. This is where I work. We're actually recording this episode yeah. in the Age Studios. How exciting. It is. Is they all your... There's a... There's a a mirror here with lights around it and all mm. kinds of lotions and mm. nostrums. Are they are they for your own personal use? I, I pop in, in in here. I do my makeup before I take my desk every day. What a great thing to have your own skin routine centre <laughs> in your workplace. My workplace is not anywhere near as in love with uh, the notion of beautiful, pliable, smooth yeah, skin. Yeah. I don't actually care about your skin at all, really. Can, can I just say, I've uh, never seen this stuff before. It's no. good stuff. There's no, perfume stuff. or parfum. There's parfum. Man, it's a good setup. Andrew. Yes, Carl. What have you been up to? Okay, what I've been up to. On on the weekend, I DJed at a launch, which was great because I was going to go anyway. When you say launch, you don't mean a pontoon floating. No, 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 no. no. Uh, uh, Bands, they have album launches. Do they? Yeah, they do. They do. I know. It's funny, isn't it? What an album launch is, of course, is when... Couple of bands, couple of DJs get together and throw a party, sell a ho- hopefully sell a whole lot of tickets and a whole lot of the merchandise that is the albums. And this album was uh, this album launched for the band Fulton Street. Mm-hmm. And what was what was really good about it was I was going to go anyway, and so to be working and playing records, well, that's just a bonus. So if you know did what you I mean? Paid? Yeah. Rough. Well, it's yeah. like tick, tick, tick. Tick, tick, tick. It's, I do get paid for my work playing records to the people, <laughs> and I like it. I like the pay, and I like the gig. Yeah. And I like this band. This band I've, I sort of see maybe once every three months, and it's great when you check in with a band like that and you see how they how they develop, maybe improve isn't the correct word, but how they change and how they move. And this this band it just gets more and more powerful now i like power this it's a soul band it, it, they play well they play more contemporary funky type sounds and their singer has an amazing amount of power in her voice flanked by only two backing singers in the past this band has sometimes had a superfluity of backing singers like you know 12 to 20 and i've, I've no. fi- yeah, yeah yeah i can remember the first time yeah. <laughs> first time i stages big well no they, they, they were they built extra stage they were off the stage <laughs> and around I, I i i felt this is just my perhaps a little excessive in the backing singer department they just have one drummer for instance right, right. <laughs> one bass player <laughs> one got, keyboard player when you've got 12 backing singers <laughs> yeah. is that not technically a choir there you are you see that that's where that's where your years of experience in the music industry trump my paltry few because i think i think you're correct i think that is a choir or if not a choir a chorus a chorus yes it's certainly a chorus yeah. so so anyway, it was a great gig. It was, it was at the Curtain. Yeah. Okay, now before before this band were, and I'm mentioning this because both Fulton Street and the band that were on before them, the Putbacks, are doing shows around the south and the north of Melbourne, both parts, uh, throughout the month of September. So you can check them out. You can they've got they've all they've both got clips and Facebook uh, group pages, and you can check them out if you'd like to hear them. Putbacks are a very different style of band. The back, I think, is 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 a little bit of an indication in the name. They they're very cruisy, uh, but funky, baroque, progressive funk. Okay, <laughs> so what I'm telling you is that there there was not a lot of different time signatures or anything, but there's a lot of noodling. It was very dense music. Uh, it was great to see them. Um, I prefer them in their instrumental carnation than, than they have worked with with singers before, and this is a group I think is much more enjoyable uh, without the singing. You know, Fulton Street, full-on singing. Putbacks, not so much. Much better without the singing. And I dug them. After that, 
I only did two sets. My friend and fellow DJ Pierre Baroni did another set, which was good because I don't know if you know where the curtain is, right? It's so on. Is it lower end of Lycon Street? It is opposite yeah. the Trades Hall. You, that's the one that used to be the Union Pub where Hawkey used to yeah, 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 sink yeah, the yeah, occasional yeah. ale. Slipper. I <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that the Trade Unionists still would go across the road yeah. there during the daytime and do their, their best drinking during the daytime before getting getting the bus home. There's a what I can't even remember, and I'm a little ashamed of myself for, for not being able to remember the name of the train station that was controversially renamed Melbourne Central. Was it Flagstaff? Ah, uh, it was Museum. Museum. <laughs> yeah, of course it was Museum. Well, Museum, you can get the train in Museum and ankle your way up to the curtain in five to ten minutes, or you can get the bus, which is a great thing to do, because if you want to go to Solar Go-Go at the Nightcat after seeing the Fulton Street album launch with the putbacks, Andrew Young, Pierre Baroni, you can get on the 200, the 201, or the 205 bus. <laughs> take you straight to the door of the night cage. But do you think I did any of those things? No. No, because my friend Pierre Baroni, DJ, wanted to get a cab. I said, the bus is right here. Look, we can just wait for the bus. Here's one. You're a man cab. of the people, really, aren't you? I'm a man of of shrinking disposable income, I'm uh, going gonna, gonna to say. so well, That makes you a man of the people. So, so the, the, the cheap option, fortunately... I didn't have to put my hand in my pocket for that cab ride. You know what I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna say that mm. uh, when it comes to cab rides mm. for the impecunious, yeah, I would say that uh, you should you should explore the Uber share option. It doesn't go to my land, no. mate. No, it doesn't. I had I got an Uber, Uber pool. Sorry, is yeah, what it's yeah. Called. I got yeah. an Uber to the gig, and then I got an Uber home from the nightcap. Yeah. Uh, the, the share. You look at the map. It's like there's Andrew Young's one. We're cutting it off. We're right, cutting it off right. at the intersection before Andy Young's house because we know what a cheap skate he is and he's going to take advantage of us. So I've, I've done the pool thing. I did it yeah. like in the first couple of weeks when yeah. they launched it yeah, and they were doing go? this massive discount kind of they thing. They were, so, weren't they? Yeah. So I, I took it maybe, th- I think, four times over a spell mm-hmm. of a few weeks. And uh, on two of the occasions, I rode solo. How? It was a very shallow pool, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and and on, on the other two occasions, I rode with somebody else, yep. and uh, and in every instance, it was it was cheap, yeah, and uh, cheerful. It was fairly cheerful, mm-hmm. but it was um, you know the. The shared experience was a bit weird. I mean, you've got somebody in the back. I mean, it wasn't uncomfortable. It was no, just like you just, just like- had somebody in the back and it was like, well, what exactly are they doing? Well, it's um, funny. I was thinking on the on the tram that I got here to this this venerable, hustling, bustling locale, I was thinking about how in other countries where they don't have public transport, there's a white van sitting by the side of the road and you get in the white van and you sit there and you wait till enough people have got in the white van and then the driver drives off yeah. and drops people off where, wherever they go. You know, it's a, it could take you hours. It could take you 20 minutes. It's hard to know. And, and so, you know. The white that, van, though. Yeah. I mean, you know, in England, there was a thing like the man in the white van. No, right? no. It was kind of like, you know, roaming killer kind of. Thing. Oh, okay, yeah. So okay, I'm not yeah. sure how readily I'd be getting into no. a white van. Well, well, in and I've done it in a few countries. The, the most the one that springs to mind is in Saint Petersburg, in what is known as Russia. Yeah, that's that's how you get about if you don't want to walk 
20 minutes down oh. under the ground to the to the metro. <laughs> you know, lots yeah. of lots of places. I mean, yeah. Bali has the, the little okay. kind of van yep. thing in uh, God, years ago in Greece and Turkey. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think they were called dolmas. Uh, yep. like you know, which I think I think uh, dolma as in dolmadis yes. means stuffed. Stuffed. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so some indication of how th- this couldn't be any more uncomfortable than than one of those experiences. No, surely, no, 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 it's no. a good idea if, if if it went to my house. If they weren't prejudiced against Andrew Young. Young, then I would, I would. You'd be swimming in that pool. I'd be in the pool, man, and I'd be wearing some really <laughs> fancy, sporty trunks. Okay. Can I just say, I think it's just as well they don't go to your house. <laughs> so at the Nightcat, every month is this thing called Solar Go Go, right? It's put on by the local community radio station, PBS FM, which some of our Melbourne listeners were probably aware of. And it's been going since 2007. It's on every month, first Saturday of the month. It has DJs and often a band, and they play soul music. And it goes till 2 or 3 in the morning. And it's a great place to visit after you've been somewhere, or you can start your night there. But it's just great. Dancing at the Nightcat, I remember going there when it first opened and it's great that it's still in good hands it's still happening and it was a it was a great night and again it happens every month for people who are in melbourne and it's one of the the many different fundraisers that community radio stations put on to keep things keep things you know bubbling along but now that our listeners from around the country Mm -hmm. know that it's on every month Mm -hmm. you might want to tell them which weekend i'm about to i'm about to cut and which day and which day and which day flying it is well i tell you what if you came to melbourne on the first saturday of the month you could you could very well go to this event and have a really great time. And because it is in the Fitzroy Manor, there are lots of other really good things. That night, Damien Ellis' quartet was playing around the corner at Bar Open. I was going to go and see, but you know, I had uh, professional commitments, and so <laughs> I, I missed out on jumping on that. But there's always great stuff going on down around there. We're very lucky. Uh, we Fitzrovians and we post-Fitzrovians are very lucky to have such uh, ex- excellent entertainment at our theme tips.
That was Check Yourself from the latest Fulton Street album, Problems and Pain, available at the gigs and also at all those great independent record shops we have in this town. Andrew, mm. unless you've been living under a rock. Oh, don't say that. Oh, I'm always, on. I'm always tricked by this under a rock business. <laughs> I say, oh, I'm not under the rock. I'm, I know what's happening <laughs> on top of things. Okay, well, I'll just say, have you heard of Crazy yeah. Rich Asians? Yeah, I have heard of Crazy Rich Asians. As, uh, there, yeah. I rest, the, I rest my case. The motion picture on top of the rock. Yes, but we beneath which you have not been living. No, no, um, not me. It's uh, it opened uh, last week mm-hmm. in in Australia. It opened a couple of weeks before that in America. There has been a plethora of words written about this movie, and the reason for that is the the weight of expectation around it or anticipation, mm-hmm. the significance that has been conferred upon it. Yep. It is by all normal standards, mm-hmm. it's a, a light, frothy rom com, right? Um, and it works perfectly well as, Great. as that. But the reason there's been so much excitement and anticipation about this movie is, is that it's the first time uh, since the Joy Luck Club in 1993 uh-huh. that Hollywood has uh, backed, a Hollywood studio has backed a, uh, a film made for the mainstream with an all-Asian cast. Right. So significant in terms of the ongoing discussion around diversity and representation. And, yeah. And, uh, and it's, you know, look, it, I've... I've I saw the film and I enjoyed the film very much. Mm-hmm. No problems with it at any level, really, other than yeah. the one that is this sort of politico-economic one where you go, this is a film about the lifestyles of the rich and fatuous. And, yes. And uh, do we need films about the lifestyles of the rich and fatuous? And does diversity get around all of those questions yeah. that you might ask uh, of any other film that's yeah. that made featuring a Western uh, cast? So, And, you know, it's kind of like... If this were the tenth film in that space, then mm. I'd say enough. Mm. You know, the mm-hmm. fact that it's the first and it actually directly addresses the notion of the Asian century mm-hmm. and the rise of Asian economies and the shifting balance between West and East sounds hilarious. Well, I mean, they're, they're not fundamentally what it's about. No, no. it's not an economic <laughs> treatise. I'll point out, but it does touch on all of those yeah. things, and that makes it, I think. Um, yeah really very interesting and it gets it over the kind of the issues that, that you might potentially have with this kind of like uh, rampant display of wealth and indulgence mm. which, which it, it, which it is, is. Uh, it is all of that March. we've been dating for over a year now and I think it's about time people met my beautiful girlfriend what about us taking an adventure east like Queens Singapore Colin's wedding don't you want to be my family I hardly know anything about them. Every time I bring them up, it changes the subject. Maybe his parents are poor and he has to send them money. Let's take a bag and get you checked into for a step. Nick, we can't afford this. So your family is rich? We're comfortable. That is exactly what a super rich person would say. I want money. 1.2 million. That's what I want. The Nick you're dating is Nick Young? Yeah, you guys know them or something? Hells yeah. They're just the biggest developers in all of Singapore. That's what I want. Damn, Rachel. It's like the Asian bachelor. These people aren't just rich. They're crazy rich. You really should have told me that you're like the Prince William of Asia. That's ridiculous. Much more of a Harry. But you'd remember, I mean, not that you were alive then, but you are aware in the history of film with the white telephone movies. 
With the white telephone The white movies? telephone movies. So, so they, made, they made a lot of films mm. in Hollywood just after the arrival of sound with uh, beautiful coiffures, lovely gowns, lots of butlers and maids and white telephones. Oh, like the Philadelphia story kind of thing? There you are, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but there was a plethora of films featuring a cast with uh, wealthy people mm. um, with shallow lives, mm. enjoying playful existences without a concern in the world. This is... Pre, um, this is ignoring the depression and everything. Yeah. Where they had servants, white telephones, chauffeurs, uh, big fancy dogs and furs, and just went to nightclubs and and drank and danced all night. And there were lots of films like that. And it's not a. <laughs> they went on for quite a while. And at the same time, there were your Republican, uh, your Republic, and Warner's gritty gangster yeah. B grade films. So yeah, there's there was balance, I suppose, mm. in Hollywood at those times. Well, I mean, you can and, certainly draw a parallel with say the 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 films of Jane Austen's novels. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they're set in a rarefied world of wealth mm. and privilege and yep. all the rest of it. So, so it's not as if there's no precedent for this. No. Uh, it's not as if uh, a film in that space is necessarily um, to be, you know, criticised or, no. or whatever. I mean, it, ha- it definitely has something to offer. Anyway, the film has gone enormously well. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's been... Uh, it's, in the States, you mean? I, I mean, yes, I mean in the States, but I mean in uh, it hasn't opened widely around the world yet. Australia okay. opened... Uh, last week mm. it has taken as of uh, recording here so we've had uh, one weekend of it officially open and then we're this is on a, a Tuesday mm. we're recording this uh, it's taken 8.6 million dollars locally now that's mm, a that's pretty a lot of money good result for Australia. it had taken 2.1 million dollars before it even opened just in previews mm-hmm. so there's clearly an appetite to see this film one of the things that I, that I, I wanted to mention though is that yeah. really fascinating is uh-huh. that there was a campaign around this called gold open and I spoke to a guy called Patrick Lee, who who is a, uh, a tech entrepreneur, an American guy. He was one of the one of the founders of Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, uh, much yeah. to his regret, he sold out of that in two thousand and four, right. long before it became <laughs> the juggernaut yeah. it is now. Yeah, um, and uh, he was involved in a. a I guess like a, a concerted effort, you would say. Mm. Uh, the director, John uh, Chu, uh, his father runs a restaurant in uh, the Bay Area um, in uh, Silicon Valley mm-hmm. called Chef Chu. Yep. And uh, at there was a sort of a pre-release dinner there. Mm. A lot of uh, Silicon Valley tech people of Asian background mm. were invited. And John Chu, the director, basically said, look, let's... You know, I'd love it if you could get behind this film. They brainstormed and they decided to actually buy a bunch of cinemas. Well, not buy the cinemas, mm-hmm. but buy out sessions. Buy out at sessions cinemas. So they yeah. bought about a hundred sessions, mm-hmm. with the idea being that they would put um, they would put people into the seats there. You know, give them the tickets. Those people would be. Uh, celebrities and influencers and people who uh-huh. have a big social media following, they would then get the word out using the hashtag Gold Open. There would be a sort of snowballing word of mouth effect, all of which is about saying to the studios, look, there's there's a clamour of, of uh, demand and appetite for this film and you can make films with Asians in them and people will go and see them. What you've had is this absolute outpouring of thankfulness and engagement mm-hmm. with it because it's like... Ah, oh, they've they've got my people up on screen, yeah. right? There's yep. there's that element now. In the, the the Asian population in America is around about usually accounts for about f- just under five percent of box office there. In the opening weekend, it accounted for thirty eight percent of yeah. the box office. So yeah. what you had was a lot of people fr- from you know a lot of American Asians going to see this film. Possibly some of them going more than once. To is see this a film. Chinese film? 
Uh, no, it's set in Singapore. Set in Singapore. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the cast is predominantly. Sorry, when I said Chinese, I meant Chinese in terms of their ethnicity, as opposed to yes, yeah, so it's know, not it's not uh, Indonesian it's not, or, or it's not Indonesian, Filipino, it's not Indian, it's not Indian Singaporeans, it's no. not Malay Singaporeans, no, it's, it's Chinese, Chinese Singaporeans. Yeah. Yep, and and a very particular echelon of, yeah. of them, yeah. the, the crazy rich. I mean, yeah. the crazy, as uh, Constance Wu, who's in this film, uh, put it in an interview, the crazy modifies the rich, mm-hmm. not the Asian. No, no. <laughs> Good point. Well, it goes both ways, but uh, they're crazy rich. Yeah, yeah. yeah I uh, ah. see. See, I wouldn't. No, I, I would have. You thought, wouldn't have got that. No, no. I w- I'm, I'm really pleased that you said that because that's not a that's not a phrase that we use in Australia. Crazy no, rich or crazy pretty or crazy. It's not. But, not. but it does run both ways. I mean, yeah. they are kind of pretty crazy characters as well. At right. least some of them. So, okay. Yeah. It, it is good fun, but um, I think you know m- more to the point. It is really. It is. Uh, industrially significant and it's culturally mm. significant that mm. this film has been made there will be a lot more films now coming out of Hollywood that uh, feature Asian cast yeah and uh, I mean I've got to say that the cast in this are all gorgeous so yeah it's like you kind of scratch your head in a way and go yeah. how could, how could they have taken so long to cotton on to the fact that you mm. could actually put people no as, it's true as how, good how, looking as this well african americans or, American, or any or any, actors, any ethnicity you know, you yeah, know. It's um, kind of it's, bizarre, really. it is bizarre and it's bizarre of, of course because there's a huge film industry in china and in hong kong and in japan and in korea it's not like asian mm. uh, faces are unknown in the cinema to people who go and see movies mm. but yeah having them made in the united states coming out of hollywood well, i think the issue is has always matter. been uh that those those movies or the studios which mm. are predominantly run by you know middle-aged white guys yep uh and I, I think their assumption has been that those ethnic movies yeah work for an ethnic audience yeah right and you know a, a film that's got a an african-american cast is going to work for an african-american audience now right. the african-american audience and the and the hispanic or, or latinx is a mm. is a increasingly favored term um those audiences are actually overrepresented they mm. they go to the movies more often than uh caucasian americans or uh or previously asian americans so so you tend to have more films featuring characters from that background, and they're starting to cross over as well. Mm. I mean, you know, it's, it's obviously been shown now. I think without much, uh, you know, much risk of uh, contradiction that white audiences or a broad cross section of audiences will go and see films with African American characters mm. or actors in them. I mean, yeah. So it's 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 changing. It's yeah. absolutely changing, and it's changing with great rapidity. It's the part of you that no one can see. But you know it's there, and I do too. That's the part of you that no one can take away. Because that's the part of you that's really you. You see, the stuff I like about you isn't the stuff on the outside. What I like about you is the other stuff inside stuff. Smiles are a little gift we give each other. That's the most beautiful part of yourself. Have you seen Kidding? I think I watched 
the first episode. <laughs> Clearly made a big impression. <laughs> last night. Last night. So it's really stuck with it's you? really stuck with I me. I think I watched it. Do you know what I was thinking about what? when I was watching that? There's this... Do- doyen's not the word. It's a, Here's another word I hate to use, but for brevity's sake, as the man with no vocabulary says, icon of children's television in the United States mm. is, of course, Jim Henson, but also a man that I believe they recently made a documentary they on did. called Mr. Mr. Rogers. Rogers. Yeah. And I read an amazing, like, really long article from either the New Yorker or would have been would not not Vanity Fair because it was really long. So I reckon it was the New Yorker. This very strange kind of interview slash following Mr. Rogers around for a few days. He's a fascinating man. Mr. Rogers would have a, a, a television show for children, and this and and was was a, which was called Mr. Rogers Mr. Neighborhood. Rogers Neighborhood. And he's he's one of the few children's performers you can almost unequivocally say as far as we know mm. was as nice mm. and lovely and de- thoroughly decent off, off the screen, screen as he was on, as he was yeah. on the screen yeah. fascinating man and I, I couldn't help think about him when i was watching this because this character well i think i think uh, the character of jeff pickles jeff pickles um, mr who, pickles who presents uh, mr pickles mr pickles puppets puppet what's it called puppet uh, oh, puppet time mr puppet, pickles mr. puppet mr. time mr pickles puppet yeah, certainly sounds by- wholesome mr pickles <laughs> Puppet time. Give me your played hand. Played by Jim Carrey. Yep. Jeff Pickles is played mm. by Jim Carrey. Yep. And I think he's very, very clearly modelled on Fred Rogers. Yep. I think that he wears, you know, wears the tie. He's always got the tie on. He's yep. got the cardigan, although in this it's case, it's weird. He's a sleeveless, he's a Awful sleeveless cardigan. Cyber fibre sleeveless <laughs> vest. Oh, <laughs> ghastly. And, and his hairstyle is creepier than creepy. It's, it's weird, like yeah. it gives Anton Chigurh a run for his money, uh, I reckon. Anyway, so he, the, the character is. Uh, we first see him yeah. at the beginning of the first episode mm-hmm. on uh, on Conan O'Brien. Mm-hmm. He comes on. Uh, the uh, the actor Danny Trejo is already there as a guest. He comes out. Describe Danny Trejo to people who don't know his work or his <coughs> he's, style. Uh, sort of pockmarked skin. Sort of he's a he's a uh, Latinx actor. He's um, most best known for playing gangster characters. Yeah, really. drug dealers, thugs, and killers. Tats looks like know. a frightening man. And he's wearing he's wearing a gold chain around his neck. With the uh, with the word pea hound on it, and That's right. there's and a joke about that. And Mr. Pickles yeah. asks what what the P stands for, and he he starts to say a part of a woman's anatomy, and or part of part of a woman, blah, blah, blah. and uh, he's sort of fudging it a little bit, and and uh, Mr. Pickles says, "Oh, you mean purse?" And it's sort of. <laughs> <laughs> and they, and they go, okay, yep, I'll, I'll yep, go with purse, that. That'll do. That'll do. That's a great way. Of <laughs> and that. then he pulls out his ukulele, which, mm-hmm. which has a puppet character, and yeah. he, it's actually called Ukulele, and he sings a song. Uh, Beautiful, feel, tender, lovely. You, you can sincere. feel. Uh, and it's, it is lovely, and, and it's kind of, you watch it and you kind of go, is this a sort of, a, is he an ironic character? Is he a bit, are we going to see the dark side? And to a degree, you don't see the dark side. Although I've got to say, I've watched the first four episodes. Okay. And you. There is a dark side. You there's think? not a dark side. No. What there is is a simmering rage yep. and frustration <laughs> and disaffection with the way things are going. He has so good reason, doesn't he? Has he has very good reason. So as we find out, in fact, it was only when I went back and watched the beginning again, it's as he's standing in the wings, he's about to come on. And I think it's almost the first shot we see mm. uh, of Jeff Pickles. You, you cut to Conan at his desk, and there's an assistant whispers in his ear. His name was Phil. It uh, it happened twelve months ago today. Yes. 
don't yes. mention Phil. Yes. And yes. So it transpires that mm-hmm. Jeff Pickles has twin sons, and one of them was killed in a car accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when he's doing this song, he dedicates it to his wife. It turns out he and his wife are no longer together. Mm-hmm. And his wife is played by the, the wonderful um, Judy Greer, who is just great fun. Well, she, she, I was reminded, because I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't remember anything. I don't know anything. I can't believe I even do this podcast. I have so little to offer. Um <laughs> She plays an amazing character in Arrested Development. She does. She plays, I believe, the Kitty. secretary. Is it, is it Kitty? Is that yes. What she's uh, it's it's just specs, and she's uh, very very sweet in that, and and strange as everybody is in Arrested Development. I don't want you to think I just watch television because I don't. All right. So, Mr. Pickles. Mr. Pickles. It's a it's a great cast. Catherine mm-hmm. Keener plays oh, his I love her. sister and I love she her. is the sort of the puppet guru of the show. Yeah. And Frank yeah. Langella plays their father. I and didn't realize it was their no, father. You, no, at of course first. you didn't because he's the producer of the show. Yeah. And he he basically I suppose, I suppose at heart, what you've got is a sense that Mr. Pickles, Jeff mm-hmm. Pickles, is in danger of going off the rails. Yeah. And if yeah. he goes off the rails, as as his father, Seb, his name is, so wonderfully puts it, uh, we have a we have a $112 million edutainment empire <laughs> to look after. I love that word. I love that word, yes. And so he edutainment. Starts, he starts, uh, I guess, cogitating to replace his own son mm. with an animated Mr. Pickles so that they can once again control him. Of course. The so, puppet master becomes the puppet. <laughs> indeed. It's, Where have I heard that it's got so, It's got <laughs> some wonderful things <laughs> going on in it, but it's, I, I'd have to say it's a little uneven in tone. I mean, mm-hmm. you've only watched the first episode, yep. or at least you think you may have watched no, no, the first I, no, episode. No, 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 no. I know I, I know I come across like that, and you're, you're fair to, to chide me for this. You, it's true. You've um, invited the chiding. I do, Let's be I fair. do. Um, but, but I did really watch it because I remember something that I don't think a lot of people see, but there's something that I think is significant, and it's... This, it's a set of traffic lights that's the old-fashioned style, which is, you might remember, strung by four cables over the intersection. So it swings a little bit. Mm. And just before the terrible car crash, you see a spark, but you don't really, if you're not paying attention, you may not see it. And what happens is that it turns all the lights green. So it, it's one of those crashes that where there's, you know, it'd be so easy if you could blame somebody for this, you know, you could blame the mum for not concentrating on her driving or, you know, if you remember the the, the, the terrible, uh, tragic and comical car crash in the world, according to Garp, mm. um, there's definitely mm. blame that can be apportioned in very equal measures to uh, T.S. Garp and his, uh, his faithless wife. Called Jenny, wasn't she? I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I, I commend you if you remember what his wife. I, I was remember saying. what happens. I remember what I remember what his wife is doing. <laughs> I remember what happens to Michael Milken, I believe. Uh, who I think we're allowed to say it's a spoiler. I mean, it, the, the book we, came out like yeah, 36 I know, years I know. ago or something. Yeah, exactly. So he he has a habit of doing something that I, I, I think a lot of people like to do. He drives the same way home, and at a certain point, he turns off the engine, the lights go off, he coasts into his driveway and stops beautifully at exactly the point where he should stop. Kids in the back seat, not wearing seatbelts. Wife in the car saying goodbye to the man that she's cheating on her husband with by giving performing an act of fellatio. It's like a goodbye gesture and she's perf- is goodbye, isn't she it? is performing this act when his car rear ends hers killing one son and dismembering 
Michael Milken, if that is, if I've got his name correctly, uh, who now sings, wasn't he, wasn't who now he the sings, junk bond manager. Yeah, probably. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he becomes a soprano very quickly. So, anyway, there's someone you can blame in that situation. In this situation, the lights are all green, so the two cars crash into each other, both on the green light. So. I I'm, I say this only to prove that I was paying you attention. You really did watch it. I was paying attention. I did. I didn't. Re- I forgot. I bet you could tell me what sort of car she was driving. I forgot about Ukulari. <laughs> I couldn't remember his name. So, but I did remember Catherine Keener, who's one of my absolute favourites. I She's remember uh, way back from Johnny Swade. I think was yeah. the first time I saw her, yeah. uh, which was a, a really great film, a really enjoyable film. That. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm. I'll, I'll certainly find time in my schedule while trying to keep up to date with the welter uh, to watch this um, what's it called again kidding kidding, kidding. why isn't it called Are mr pickles Are you kidding? why can't it be called mr pickles it's like a hit song where the name of the song is not the chorus it's some other word that Indeed. nobody remembers yeah, 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 yeah. you know uh, so Worth, yeah. worth mentioning the fact that mm. uh, the first two episodes of this were directed by Michelle Gondry, who's yeah, probably I, best known I, I for Eternal that. Sunshine of the yep. Spotless Mind, and which, of course, Jim Carrey also starred. And Be Kind Rewind. Um, and and uh, it's written by a guy called Dave Holstein, and it's uh, they sort of they hand it over, they hand the reins over from episode mm. three. And I'd, I'd actually say uh, that it shifts tone ever so slightly, it becomes yeah, it would. a little less... Um, I think uh, uneven. It beca- it, so, okay, it, you know, I, th- I think it's, and I don't want to be too critical of the work in those first two episodes because, as with any pilot, mm. and I carried on to the second episode as doing some of the work of that. Pilots do a lot of work in establishing situations and characters and relationships and, and tones and moods and tones and moods. And yeah. often, I think they're asked to do too much. Yeah, I try very very hard never to judge a show on the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> but you do have a professional obligation not to judge a show on a no, show. I can. No, 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 no. I don't have I a can. professional. Oh, do I? I don't know. I mean, a lot of people will review something on the basis of one. Of, of but you don't. Episode, you, you, you take your to, job seriously. Watch, yeah. You try to watch a handful yeah. of them, maybe the whole thing, so you can give anyway, a, what a reasoned judgment. It gets better. It, it gets, gets better. Because yeah. I'm happy how we're going, so yeah. if, if it gets better, it, even better. Yeah. You know, the, obviously the, the boy doesn't come back to life. That's that's sad. It doesn't get that much better. It doesn't get that much better, does it? No. I feel sorry about him in... This is not. It's not. I. I don't think it's a very funny show. I think it's quite. I think poignant I have my first and, out loud laugh moment in yeah. episode four. It doesn't have. Nothing has to be funny. There, there were. I mean, there not what I mean is everything doesn't have to be like funny. Wry moments, and yeah. amusing moments, yeah. and oddball moments, mm. and things that sort of make you go, oh, yeah, mm. okay. Wasn't expecting yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, well before the laugh out loud. loud yeah, like that good film but, that Adam Sandler made. He made one. Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, that's that's one with yeah. the Emily. Someone, Emily Mortimer. Emily, uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know names. I'm sorry, but anyway, he made one really good film that was strange. It was had it. It was it was a Los Angeles landscape, but like suburban, and he wasn't doing that thing that he does. You know, Emily uh, Watson. Emily Watson. I always get in trouble about this. Emily Watson. Anyway, that's a good film, but it's not funny. It's kind of yeah. Just it has funny it has moments, moments, but, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not a comedy. Not, no, laugh out no. Like comedy, no. So this this show, not a comedy, but I I'm if you if you listen to me, I'm gonna pers. It's not even a persevere. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep watching it because it, I'm in spite of that hairstyle. I'm gonna keep watching it. I think the hairstyle <laughs> comes into its own. <sighs> 
Say no more, Carl. Spoil <laughs> me not. Anyway, that's kidding. It's on Stan. Thanks for listening. That's it from us, the Clappers, for this episode. Thank you.